really remarkable what is happening in our nation and how God is bringing good out of difficulties. And I just want to say uh, that our own Carissa Diakianis, you know, the Diakianis family, Carissa is a part of this team. There she is on the far right. She grew up right here. She went through Kids Place and Adventure Club, and now she's married to Ben uh, right next to her, and he's a DJ on the streets. And they go out there to different cities around our nation, and they're bringing the light of Christ, the hope of Jesus, to people in the streets every weekend and having incredible results and fruitfulness. And so when we talk about giving, like we talked about giving last week, uh, some of your money goes to help support this movement that's happening on the streets of our cities around our nation. So pretty, pretty excited, right? Pretty neat. So we're in touch. We're in touch with Carissa. It's nice to have somebody on the inside. And so we can hear uh, all the time, but, but you can befriend them on Facebook and you can uh, stay up with them as well. So Jesus actually commanded, just like he commanded them to go, Jesus actually commanded every one of us to go. And so for our last message of this series today, the last essential we want to talk about today is this commission for us to go, this commandment for us to go. And even though you may not go to the streets of our cities, you may not go to the George Floyd Memorial, uh, you may not go to uh, missions around the world, you can still go. You can still have a mindset of go. And I believe that's what Jesus wants for every single one of us. So let's ground this in his word today, Matthew 28, verse 19. You know this passage. Go. Can you say go with me? Go. Go. And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. You see, there's a a growth and then an impartation. Uh, Who Jesus has made you to be, you impart that to the next person that God brings across your path so that you can disciple them. That's how this works. And be sure of this, Jesus says, I am with you always. Can you say always? Always remember that tomorrow when life is tough and chaotic. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So if you've never heard this term before, this is called the Great Commission. And this morning, as we close this series, it's simply a reminder that Jesus has commissioned every single one of us. Not just the missionaries, not just the YWAMers, not just Carissa and Ben, but every one of us. To make a difference, make disciples, baptize people, and help people get saved and be reconciled to God. It's every one of our job to do that. So the word commission means to act on the authority or on the behalf of somebody. And Jesus gave us authority to do that in his name. So now what do we do? We go and we make disciples on behalf of Jesus. We go, we make disciples on behalf of Jesus. Now, again, like I said, many of us aren't going to go to the nations, and I wouldn't even want us all to go to the nations. It would cost too much money, money that can be used in other ways. But some of us will go to the nations because God will call you to go to the nations. But every single one of us go when we give. And that's number one in your notes today. We talked about this last week. I'm not going to belabor it, but I do want to connect the dots for you this morning that when you give, you go. And you're a part of all the ministry that's happening in the streets of our cities or in Haiti or in India or in Nepal or in Paraguay or in Cambodia, where we go as well. So I want to connect the dots for you this morning to show you a few pictures of where your money's going. This is a school. 
It's not an actual school, but this pastor in the middle is one of the men we support. And he goes to these students three times a week. And these are kids that would not get an education if it were not for this man. And you're helping to pay for that, okay? These are kids that will rise above their class, hopefully, because they've been able to learn to read and write. Next picture. These are people that your giving brought rice to. Uh, I said this at the very beginning of this pandemic. I said we cannot close down our economy. If we close our economy, people will starve around the world. They depend on our economy. But what did we do? We closed down the economy. And so people were starving. I mean, they starve anyway, but they were starving in India. This is These are kids I met from the slums. This little kid in the middle with the pink shirt, he's saying, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Look at that face. So these are kids and these are families that you've been able to feed. These are kids that are happy to see us because they know they're going to eat. And that's what your giving accomplishes across the nations. But it doesn't stop with felt needs. It doesn't stop with felt needs. It also has the spiritual implications of people coming to Christ. This is Cambodia. These are our people. These are your pastors that you support that are getting people saved. They're going to the darkest corners. These, this is the newest graduating class of pastors and leaders that are going to go to the darkest places in Cambodia and are going to reach the people with the love and light of Jesus. And you're a part of that. You're a part of that. And I want you to know that. And I'm not ashamed to say that. You need to know where your money goes. So this is what happens with your income that comes in and goes to the nations, okay? I'm sorry about that. I don't know what the problem is. Maybe if I just maybe if I just beat it, it will All right, so I get this. Okay, thank you so much. I get the holy mic. Okay. So number one in your notes this morning, we go when we give. We go when we give. So just keep that in mind that if you can't go or if you shouldn't travel, or if God just hasn't placed that call in your heart to go to the nations, that's okay. You can still be a part of the ministry around the world simply by adding to the resources to build the kingdom that God has given you to share. So that's number one. Number two, this is something everybody can do. We go when we reconcile. We go when we reconcile. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And let me tell you what that means. That simply means live in such a way that people are drawn to Christ. Live in such a way that people are drawn to Christ. Don't have the spiritual gift of being a jerk. That's not a spiritual gift. But be somebody that draws people to Christ. Let's talk about that. Let's just talk about reconciliation in a minute. I have a, a, a good friend named Saji. I'm glad I can call him that. And we met a couple of years ago. And Saji and his wife Bindu are a part of our church. Uh, they've been missionaries around the world. He's with the Mennonite brethren. And Saji's specialty is reconciliation, this very word we're talking about. That's his specialty in missions. And he's worked with people groups all over the world, including Turks and Armenians, who if you know the history, it's very unlikely they would ever reconcile. But he helped in that process of them coming to reconciliation in the church. See, the church as well was at odds, the Turks and the Armenians. And now... He was here at first service. Now he's here in little old Linden. And Saji and I, we joke about this. We say, what are you doing in Linden? Of all the places in the world that you could be, why Linden? But Saji is a man that leverages his life, whatever situation he finds himself in, he leverages his life and lets God use him. And so he's doing that here. And guess what he's helping us with? Racial reconciliation. 
Saji has gathered with us, many pastors in Linden, has met with us, has talked to us about what it's like to be a person of color in Linden, and has talked us through what a great response is for us as churches, for us as pastors, as we talk about racism and as we talk about reconciliation. So I want you to get to know Saji a little bit. So here he is. My name is uh, Saji Uman. I am originally from India, but I was born in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, living and growing up as an Indian in America has, you know, been an interesting process. I have been um, pulled over uh, because of my color. I have not received a um, a job because of my color. I have been uh, strip searched uh, down to my underwear. I was with a group of, of friends who were all white and I was picked out of the crowd, taken to the back. There's a sense of humiliation in that. You guys have seen it in the news, you know, people who have been attacked while jogging or confronted because they've been doing something that we would consider normal. Even when as a missionary, <laughs> being overseas in uh, Turkey, we've have felt um, prejudice from others because of our color. We were in Austria as a family, and um, my wife and kids were shooed, uh, were were pushed out of a restaurant when they asked for water. We have had people tell us. Go back to wherever you came from. Friends, I I don't want to paint it all negative. It's been such a joy to be a person of color. We uh, saw this in Turkey. Uh, People would normally assume that our teammates, who are white from Canada, uh, they would assume that they were Christians. And then they would always come up to me and ask me, are you a Hindu or are you a Muslim? I would say I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian. And it would give an, an amazing opportunity to talk about the gospel with them. Being a person of color has allowed me to step into these conversations and share the gospel in a, in a meaningful way. God is a God of, of reconciliation. He wants us to forgive and to reconcile with each other. I think that we have an opportunity as followers of Jesus here in Linden, as Christians, to ask, why were people marching? What led them to that space? To to gain a sense of empathy, we have to be willing to enter into a space of uncomfortableness. To put yourself into another person's life. We do that by entering into conversation. We do that by asking questions. God is shaking up all of this stuff so that we can enter into uh, understanding what he wants us as Christians to be a part of. He's called us to, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And friends, 
the world has come to Linden. <laughs> That's the cool thing. Second Corinthians 5 talks about being ambassadors of reconciliation. And that would be my encouragement and my, um, my hope for NCCTK and uh, for all of Linden. You have a neighbor. <laughs> you have someone that you see in the grocery store that you could reach out to and that you could uh, connect with and learn their story. I love Saji's story. I love his heart. I love that he's here selfishly because I get to get to know him. And he is just a, an amazing, wonderful brother. Now, again, not all of us are going to go to the nations. Not all of us are going to sit between Armenians and Turks and try to reconcile their churches. But God has called all of us to go. Each one of us have a call on our life to go to somebody, even if it's just across the street, even if it's just out in the commons. God has called us to go. It's our job. Saji mentioned 2 Corinthians 5. Let's anchor there for a second this morning. 2 Corinthians 5. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. You see, that's God's purpose, is to reconcile the world to himself, us to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Imagine that. Of all the ways that God could save the world and save people, he chose to make his appeal through us. And I want to ask you today, are you appealing? Are you appealing to people? Are you making God's appeal to people in Christ? We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So... We are Christ's ambassadors. We are to plead with people to come back to God. We go to them every day. So when you hear the word go, I don't want you to just think to the nations. I want you to think, Jesus, where am I going to go today? Who am I going to today? What am I going to do with them when I get there? Holy Spirit, show me. We go to them where they work. We go to them where they play. We go to them where they eat dinner Maybe you go just to your family and it's around the family breakfast table or the family dinner table and your job for the day is to go to one of your children and to help them be reconciled to God, to help them in the relationship with God. So your job, my job as a Christian, is not just to make it to heaven. That's what a lot of us think and that's how a lot of us live, to be frank. But our job is not just to make it to heaven. Our job is to let God make his appeal through us to other people that he wants to have with him. So be a reconciler. Now, if, if you can't think of any way to do it out there in your own life, we have lots of opportunities here at North County Christ the King for you to be a reconciler. And again, what that word means, to be a reconciler, just means to help somebody in their relationship with God to help them grow or grow closer to him. You know, two weeks ago, we kicked off our youth ministries and our children's ministries in the edge here at North County Christ the King. And we had over 40 kids give their hearts to Christ in the first week. And the reason I say that, praise the Lord, it's him. But the reason I say that is because we had a bunch of adults who came, gave an hour and a half on a, a Tuesday night or Wednesday night, and they came and they spent time in this room or over in the edge with kids just 
influencing them, just helping to reconcile them to the Father. And I bring that up today because we need more of you. Now, on Tuesday nights, we have the Anchor Youth Ministry. This is it. These are middle schoolers. Eighty kids come out, sort of socially distanced. They come out. I mean, we set up the chairs to be socially distanced and, you know, kids. But So they come out, and they're just waiting for a loving adult to come alongside them and help them come to Jesus and help them grow in their relationship with Christ. I tell you, there's no better thing you could do with an hour and a half in your week. Now, you kind of have to like kids. That would be a good thing. You don't want to be a kid hater. It's tough to reconcile a kid when you're a kid hater. But if you sort of have a warm spot for middle schoolers, all you have to do is show up and love them. That's it. You know, we've got 20, 25 kids in small in a small group. It's not small. That's a church of kids. So I'm just appealing to you that there's a place for you to just go and, and listen. We hear these rumors all the time and we read these reports about how kids are leaving the church. You know, they graduate from high school and they leave the church. Well, guess what? If you did this, there'd be 80 kids who might not ever leave the church because you invested in them. That is not manipulative. That is the truth. That kids respond to love and we are to go be reconcilers. And that's number three in your notes today. We go when we love. We go when we love. When you decide to love somebody, you're going to them. You know, we just talked about the Great Commission, that all of us, it's all of our jobs to be reconcilers. Now we're going to talk about the Great Commandment. How do we do that? We simply love. We simply love. we got to go, but we simply love. So Jesus was talking to this person. He was an attorney, a lawyer. And it says in this story here in Luke chapter 10 that one day this expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus. Now maybe that wasn't a good idea. For a religious expert to stand up and test the Son of God, right? But he did. And he asked him this question. He said, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Let's start with an easy question. Right? I mean, we're talking about the question of all questions. What should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Don't you love how Jesus gives the question back to him? And the man replied, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind. I mean, every Jew knew this command. And your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And just who is my neighbor? And you can kind of see the wheels turning, can't you, in this attorney's head. As he's thinking, now can I just narrow the field down a little bit? Can I just make it a little bit smaller so I don't really have to go love everybody? But maybe there's just a few people who qualify for my lifestyle, who qualify for my expertise, who qualify for who I am. So this guy is trying to narrow it down, and and Jesus responds to this justification. And he tells him the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, we've all probably heard that story. I'm not going to read it to you again, but remember it. There's a man traveling down the road, and he's attacked by robbers, and he's beaten and really left for dead. And two church people cross over to the other side of the street and pass him by. They didn't want to be bothered. They were too busy. They had more important things to do. I don't know. Didn't want to get their hands dirty. 
For whatever the reasons, they passed him by. But along came a hated Samaritan. Samaritans were hated because they were half-bloods. The Jews hated them. But this Samaritan comes and crosses over the street in the other direction and approaches this man, gives him first aid, and then puts him up in a hotel and pays for his bill and pays for his future bill just because he was being a good neighbor. And I want you to know that there was no good Samaritan law at the time because that's where this law came from, right? Like he was taking liability into his own hands when he went and helped this guy. But he crossed the street and he took care of this guy. And at the end of the story, Jesus asked the lawyer, now which of these three men would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? In verse 37, I love this reply. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do likewise. And I believe that Jesus is saying that to us today. We still fall under that same commandment, love the Lord our God and love our neighbor as ourself. And I believe that Jesus is saying the same thing to us today. And he's saying to us today that every person is our neighbor. Like you can't pick who God's going to decide your neighbor's going to be for the day. God's going to decide. He's going to bring somebody across your path or he's going to make your path collide with somebody. It might be someone you don't know. It might be somebody you've never met. It might be somebody that just needs a hand. And I want to ask the question that Jesus asked this man. I want to ask the question, what does it look like to love your neighbor? What does it look like to love your neighbor? And the man replied, to show mercy, to show kindness. And Jesus said, now go and do the same. And I want to point that out this morning because I believe that, that in our thoughts about, about being a goer, about being somebody that, that lives with a go mindset, I, I think that in our thoughts we, we make that bigger than what it really needs to be. And I think that if we can learn anything from this story is that, that going is really, really simple. You just cross the street and you show mercy and you show kindness. And that might be, like Saji said, that might be just listening to somebody, just hearing their story, just trying to understand what's it like to be a person of color in Linden? What's that like? What's it like to have been a missionary in Turkey as an Indian? What was that like? I mean, to be a person of mercy and kindness, we enter into the conversation. We enter into the story. We become people that, that listen with our heart. And like we don't live our life out of judgment, out of preconceived ideas of of what people are like but we enter and that's exactly what jesus did he entered in and when we enter into the lives of others and we and we meet them with mercy and we meet them with kindness it opens the door listen it opens the door for them to respond to the loving jesus that lives in your life in your heart it paves the way for them to get to know god When you greet people with mercy and kindness, it invites them to know the same Jesus that you know. Many of you know that that we're remodeling and building a house, right? I've told you about that a bunch of times. But I'm getting to know my new neighbors at the farmhouse is what we call it. And the neighbor behind me who I went to school with as a kid that I hadn't really talked to in 40 years probably. The neighbor behind me is out in his backyard one day, which adjoins my yard. And he was taking a tree down. It's a really ugly tree. 
It wasn't a big tree. Like, it wasn't a fall danger or anything like that. It was just an ugly tree. So I walk over because I'm going to meet my neighbor and, you know, reestablish our relationship after years and years. And I said, hey, what are you doing? He goes, well, I didn't really realize how ugly this tree was. And I was out in the backyard the other day, and I looked at this tree, and I said to myself, you know, I don't want Kurt to have to look out of his windows and see this ugly tree every day of his life. So he went out. I mean, really, who does this? Who cares what the neighbor thinks, right? But he went out, and he was cutting down his tree. He didn't ask me what I thought. He didn't want to know if it was ugly in my eyes. He just he just went down and went out and cut it down. And I was thinking about that. You know, he said, I'm taking it down so you don't have to look at it. And so I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking, what a thing to do. The tree's not bothering him. The tree's in his yard. He has, like, there's nothing compelling him to have to do this, right? But simply because he does not want me to look at the ugly tree, he takes it down. And I was thinking about this, and I I really believe the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, Kurt, if we would spend more time taking down the ugly in our lives, taking down the unkindness in our lives, taking down the lack of mercy, taking down the judgment in our lives, then we would have something much more attractive and beautiful for our neighbors to want and to look at. In other words, don't live my life so that people just see the ugly, you know. Live my life in a way and let the Holy Spirit work in my heart in a way that 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 develops the kind of a person that somebody's going to want to. They're going to want to know what has happened in your life. What do you have? What is it about you that makes you different from all those other Christians that I've heard about or talked to? What? Why do you want to know my story? Why do you want to enter into my life? And I think it's I think it's a great thing to think about. I think it's great for us as we close this series and we think about what it means to go, what it means to be a go person in our mind. I think that when we lead with mercy and we lead with kindness, we lead with non-judgment. And listen, when I say non-judgment, that doesn't mean I agree with people. Understand, I don't agree with people. I live my life by biblical values and biblical standards. The Bible is number one in my life. And I'm not going to compromise what I believe, but I can still do that with mercy and with kindness and in a way that makes it possible for someone to want to be reconciled to Jesus. So as we think about going and we think about the climate of our nation right now and even our community, as we think about that, we have to think about the fact that what can we do um, based also on what we believe from the word of God, what can we do to make knowing Jesus Attractive. What strength can we offer in this time of fear and anxiety? What courage can we offer that maybe other people need, need to impart, need to have imparted to them? What courage can we offer? What goodness can we offer of God? Maybe the best way to love my neighbor, to love people, is just to work on removing the ugly in my life. You know, Paul said that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's kindness. So God expresses his love and kindness through us. And again, I understand that in this climate of politics and in this climate of of pandemic and in this climate of protests and riots, I understand that that's a, a difficult 
landscape to negotiate and to navigate. I understand that. And everybody does it a little differently. But also at the same time, we need, we need to be people that go. We need to be people that lead with mercy. Why would I say that? And the fact that sometimes the person that you're going to go to is someone that you don't like. Somebody that you're not really attracted to. They're, they're maybe the ugly tree. <laughs> but maybe rather than chopping them down, you know, you would have a relationship with them. So why would we do that? I'm going to tell you why. This is why it's important. Every person on this planet has a soul that is precious to their maker. It's a soul that Jesus died for. It's a soul that he wants reconciled to himself. It's a soul that he loves. For God so loved the world. It's a soul that that he wants to be redeemed. He wants to see it redeemed. And we can either be a part of that, or we can be an obstacle in that process. And so as we think about this series and we think about the essentials of our faith, here's the one thing I want you to think about as we close today, that I believe that becoming, truly becoming a disciple of Christ um, embraces the fact that you disciple others. I think it's a part of the growth process. So every single one of us should have somebody that we're thinking about we want to see reconciled to God. So I want to pray for all of us this morning. And I want you to know that when I preach, I preach first at me. <laughs> I'm the one first. I have to ask the hard questions. Uh, but if you're open to receive this from the Holy Spirit today, would you bow your heads with me? If you're online this morning, bow your heads with me in your homes. And just ask God to make us, to make you, to make me the kind of individual that helps people be reconciled to God. Father, today we come. And we simply open our hearts and we say, Lord, we don't claim to do this well. We don't claim to do this perfectly. We know that we're in a climate of distrust. We know that we're in a climate of, of disagreement. We know that there are, are Christians everywhere who don't agree on a lot of things. But Jesus, one thing we can agree with is that you are Lord. You are Savior. And you created us for a purpose, and that purpose is to be reconciled to you. So Lord, I pray for every person in the room today that's willing that that we would receive the call, the commission to go, to make disciples, to baptize, to make the way easy for someone to come to Christ. And so Lord Jesus, we offer ourselves today and we say, have your way in us. Help us do this well. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to close with one more song this morning.